0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. We're continuing in our study today. We're in Romans. And so I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 is where we're at today. And uh, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles there. And just a reminder, if you don't have a paper Bible and you'd like to have a paper Bible, I love paper because I'm a caveman and I like to feel it and touch it and I like to scribble in it and I like to do all those things. Uh, So if you don't have one and you'd like to have one, just remember this. They're in the lobby and they're on the high top tables and you can grab one. It's our gift to you. Just keep it. It's yours. You can write in it. Just remember, uh, make sure you get the right Bible because we have... Bibles in Spanish, we have Bibles in English. So if when you get that, if you would stand to your feet for me, we'll stand and we'll read this. If you're new here, if you're a guest, first timer, uh, just so you know, we don't stand and sit all morning, but when we read our primary text, we stand. And uh, again, we're not saying if a church doesn't do that, they're not wrong, absolutely not. This is just a tradition of ours, and it's a reminder to us that this isn't just a book, this is God's word. This is God speaking in Bloomington right now to us. I'm going to start in verse... Uh, verse 6 if you would it says this when we were utterly helpless Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now, verse 11, we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your holy word. God, we've just uh, enjoyed worshiping you, Father. We love worshiping you and we love being in your presence. Holy Spirit, we're grateful that you're here, that you're among us, that you're ministering this morning. And so our request right now, Holy Spirit, is that you would teach, that you would speak through the written word. I believe that you have a word for the people here in Bloomington today, in 2023. And so I pray that you would make us aware of that. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would communicate that to us in a way that would open our eyes and stir our hearts. And when you do it in a way that only glorifies the Father, that's our prayer we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You folks can have a seat. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds. You got about 30 seconds. I want you to look at somebody next to you, and here's what I want you to discuss. Come up with a list, as many things as you can think of, things that we just kind of Take for granted things we kind of forget about. We're we're not really that grateful for. We've just forgot about it. We've taken them for granted. Things that are just whatever. What do we take for granted? Turn to the person next to you. You got about 30 seconds. Come up with as many as you can. Go. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, now you get to check your papers because I'm going to give you all the right answers. Before I do that, let me just tell you this really quick because I forgot to tell you this. Hey, on your, on your bulletin today, on your bulletin today, you can see from last week, remember we had a slide last week that talked about the cycle. We were talking about the victorious cycle and I said, I wish I would have made that for you guys and we would have handed them out when you walked out. And somebody on our staff forgot, I don't remember who it was that forgot to do that. Might, might have been me, yeah, might have been me. And so today what, there's a QR code that's on your bulletin and you can flash that and you'll get it. You'll get it downloaded to you. So just, just so you have that, it's from Romans chapter five. I'm gonna give you the answers now. Here's the things that we just so often forget. Number one I would say is this, running water. How grateful are we for running water? You know, we've only had running water in our country for really widely for about the last hundred years. It's been just a normal thing, right? Even indoor plumbing, like if you want to go to the bathroom in February, in the middle of the night, you had to go outside. And now for the last hundred years, and the problem is when we take it for granted, we don't fully appreciate it. It doesn't have the impact that it could. I I told you about six or seven weeks ago at our house, we've lived in our house for six years, Right? And we knew that this bathroom had to get redone. And for, so for the last six years, we've been saving our penny, pennies, tucking money away, tucking away. This morning, in the name of Jesus, took shower. First time in the new bathroom. I'm going home from church today. I'm taking another shower. I get up in the middle of the night. I'll shower again. But the problem is when we take these things for granted, you don't fully appreciate it the way we should. Like, it doesn't impact us the way that we should. Here's another one for you. Cell phones. Oh my goodness! How many of you mentioned cell phones? Nobody mentioned cell phones. Oh man! You know, I mean, it's only again, it's only about the last hundred years that everybody's had a phone. I mean, how many of you, how many of you not? And it wasn't a cell phone. How many of you remember uh, having a phone on your wall? Yeah. So here's a crazy thing: people used to have phones on their walls. It's the craziest thing. You got to believe me. You got to trust me, right? And then, let me, here's another one for you. How many of you had a bag phone? A bag phone? Girl, you better not say what. You're, you're, all, you're getting close to my age, what do you, you mean, almost, right? Bag phones, because that was when cell phones first came out. You had this phone in the bag, and you wore it over, am I, am I telling the truth? Thank you. And you wore it over your shoulder, and you walk around like you're a big deal. How many of you had car phones? Oh yeah, you were a really big deal if you had a car phone because you had this cool little antenna out the top of your car, right? My good buddy in high school, we, nobody in our neighborhood had a car phone, but he had an old phone that he took out of his parents' house and, and he didn't a cord on it, so he just stuck it in between the seats. And then every time a pretty girl would go by in high school, he's like, what, hello? Hello? <laughs> right? And now, you, everybody has a cell phone, like it's no big deal. You just pick it up, you go, my first... I think this is right. I think my first computer I bought was a compact. It had a 3.1 gig hard drive. My phone today has about 180 bajillion gigabyte hard, right? And it's no big deal. I mean, not, and and so I don't know that we fully appreciate the cell phone and how you can just carry with you everywhere. You don't have to worry about do I do I need to go get a phone? uh, Do I need to put a quarter in the phone? And now we just have cell phones. Here's the last one, I think everybody got this one probably, right? Opposing thumbs, y'all grateful for opposing thumbs? How many people had that? You know, this is crazy, only a few primates have opposing thumbs, and you laugh about it, but thumbs are crazy, because they'll do all of this, and opposing means you can touch the end of your fingers. Now, you think that's not a big deal, but I was thinking about all the things, I know people here at the church who have lost their thumbs. They don't have a thumb anymore, right? And without a thumb, for instance, it's hard to open a doorknob. It's hard to open a jar. You can't pick a coin up. You can't get something out of your pocket. You can't use a hammer. It's hard to use a screwdriver. I mean, let's be honest, it'd be tough to hitchhike, right? i Am I just, I'm just saying it'd be tough to hitchhike? <laughs> so I mean, there's a lot of things, right? And, and the problem is we just take these things all for granted and we don't appreciate them. And they don't have the impact that they very possibly could because we don't really appreciate it. Let me give you just one more, not a big deal. I don't know, do we kind of feel like that sometimes? Oh, no, 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 I know, God is love, man, I got that, I got it, God is love, I got it, I got it. Oh, you know, no, no, God loves me, no, no, I got it, I got it, I got it, it. And I'm telling you, we underappreciate it. And Paul is gonna write here, and he's gonna tell us about the love of God. And Paul's gonna go off, and he's gonna tell us some crazy things about the love of, and what I'm saying is this, That when we take God's love for granted, and when we don't fully appreciate God's love, it doesn't impact us the way it should. And we don't live the lives that we're intended to live. Because we're designed to be loved by the Father. And when we're so cavalier about it, we're just so callous about it, we go, you know, God is love. You know, I know God loves me. I'm telling you, you don't live and experience what you're intended to experience. So let me get into this a bit, but here's the challenge. We read 6 through 11, and in order to fully understand God's love, we have to go back to verse 5. So look at your Bibles. I'm going to back you up one verse, and I'm going to go to verse 5. And Paul says this, For we know how dearly God loves us. Why? Because He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now, this is going to seem like a crazy thought to you. Paul's in chapter 5 of Romans now. Believe it or not, this is the first time. This is the first time in the book of Romans that Paul mentions God's love. He hasn't said anything about it yet. Now, Paul doesn't write a great deal over and over all the time. He's not always writing about God's love. But this is the first time in the book of Romans, one of the great theological pieces of work. And chapter 5 is the first time that he finally mentions the love of God. And he says this about it, that we know because God uh, has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts. And this word fill isn't just like we go, hey, fill her up. Oh, no, no, no. It's not that. This word is much more than that. It's generous. It's extravagant. It is lavish. It is the idea of pouring over. Paul is telling you, and he's telling me, this love that God has given you, pay attention to me. He's saying it's lavish. Okay, Paul mentions it in verse 5, but now he he feels like, well, I I can't just go on about my business. I got to pull this car over, and I got to talk to you all about how lavish it is, and why it's so lavish. I think this is interesting. In Ephesians chapter 3, think about this for just a minute. Paul is writing a prayer, and in his prayer, he says, I fall to my knees. And here's what I'm praying, that you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should. Paul is saying this, you don't have the power to understand it. You can't comprehend it. You can't possibly get it. There's no way that you could take it in the way that God loves us. This is what I've called an unknown love. It's a love that you don't know, that you don't get anywhere else, from anywhere else. It's, it's a love that we don't even express. We can't. You know this, some of you know this, that in the Greek language, you know, we say love just like love. Like I love hot dogs and I love my wife. Same thing, you know. And the Greeks don't believe that, because when the Greeks wrote, they have almost eight different words for the word love. And you'll hear this in Christian circles, and if you're not a church person, you don't normally go to church, you, you've still maybe seen this somewhere, and it's the word agape. Agape. And that is specifically this universal kind of love, of God's love. Christian church adopted and said this is God's love. It's really, in, the, in that culture, it was thought to be a, a universal type of love, which says this, I love you no matter what, no matter what comes up, no matter what you do, no matter what I do, I love you. It is, it is unapologi- unapologetic, it is unabashed, it is that kind of love, it is constant. And he's saying this, I'm praying, I'm getting on my knees, and I'm just praying to possibly, perhaps, you could possibly even understand this the love of God. And so again, Paul's going to pull the car over and he's he's just going to park there for a while and he's going to explain to us and give us the reasons. Why is this love so lavish? What's the big deal about this love? Right? And so he says this, that I want you to understand how wide it is, how long it is, how high it is, how deep his love is. I'm hoping that you just get a whiff of it that maybe you'll get an inkling of this amazing love. I'm telling you, if you've if you fallen asleep at the wheel and you've forgotten how significant and how lavish the love of God is, man, that's my hope today. I'm hoping we get... And here's the deal. You may say, well, Neil, I'm not really a Jesus follower. I don't, I'm not normally a church person. I don't normally go to church. For whatever reason, I came today. I've been a little curious. I'm hoping, I'm hoping God will just get your attention and explain to you the extent of his love for you. So I'm gonna give you a couple of different things, but it's lavish because of number one, who we were. This is one of the reasons that this love of God is so lavish, and Paul's gonna lay this out. He's gonna say, it's part, in part, it's lavish because of who you and I were. That's what makes it so lavish, you're gonna see this. Look, here's what he says in verse six. He says, when we, now notice this, Paul's writing to the Christian church. He's writing the church in Rome. He's writing to believers in Christ. That's who he's writing to, and he says, when we were utterly helpless, and this word helpless, you know that it means like, well, we couldn't do anything about it ourselves, it's going to mean a lot more than that, but just notice this, he's writing to those who call themselves followers of Jesus, to believers in Christ, that's who he's writing to, and this word utterly helpless, now I'm going to get a little nerdy, like for a little while I'm going to geek out on words, but I think this is important, and I think you'll see why I get a little nerdy about this at the end, when we're all done and we're wrapping this up. But this word in particular means morally and spiritually sick. Here's who you and I were, church. Here's who you and I were, believers in Jesus, people who call themselves Christians. Because if you're not a church folk, please just understand this. We're not really bad people. But a lot of times it's really easy for Christians to go, oh yeah, yeah, you know sinners, you know them, you know them. No, Paul's not saying them, Paul's saying me. And he's saying you. And this is who we were. And Paul is saying, you and me, we were morally and spiritually sick. That's part of who we were. And then he goes on to verse 6. Because he's going to use four words in this short passage. Four words. And the second word is in the same verse. And he says, sinners. We were sinners. Now again, just notice the pronoun. The pronoun is a personal pronoun. Us. We and us. And here he's going to use the word sinners. We already know that we were helpless. That we were morally and spiritually sick. Morally and spiritually weak. Now he's going to use the word sinners. And this time what he means by sinners is ungodly. We were wicked We were morally and spiritually sick, and we were wicked, right? And then he continues on. He's going to give us two more words. So now he drops down to verse 8. And 8, and I would just be circling these in my Bible. I'd have, you know, helpless, I'd circle that, I'd circle sinners. Now he's going to use the word sinners again, but just so you know, in the original language, these were actually two different words. So it's not the same word. So this time, sinners means something different. And specifically, it means an absolute moral failure, we, us. And he also says, one who violates God's laws. That was we and us again. We're on a roll here, right? I mean, Paul's saying this is who we are. Now he's got one more word that he's going to use, and he uses this in verse 10. And he says, since our personal pronoun again, friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we, personal pronoun, we, us Christians, we were still his enemies. That's the fourth of the words that he used when he's talking about who we were, right? He said, enemies means this one who was hostile toward God. That's who we were. Like, this stuff's really interesting to me. So here's what you get when we wrap it all together we were morally and spiritually sick, we were wicked. We were absolute moral failures who violated God's laws and we were hostile toward God. That's who we were. Now here's the other thing. You weren't one of those. I wasn't one of those. We weren't just two of them. We weren't just three. There's a Greek word that means the whole thing and it's this. It's the whole enchilada. We were the whole enchilada. That's who we were. We were every bit of this. That's who we were as sinners. And yet he says this. While we were all of those things, Christ came and Christ died. That's a weird kind of love. That's a love I've never known before. That's a love you've never known before. That's a love that we don't express. While we were the whole enchilada, we were busy being the whole enchilada, Christ came and Christ died. Who does that? Who does that kind of thing? I don't. I, I, I just think most people don't. Right. It's an unknown love. It is a lavish love. It's a love that we just don't know. And further, I, I just wanted you to get this, just to put a little icing on the cake. Yeah, while we were utterly helpless, Christ came and died. But notice this, not only that he died, but he came at just the right time. Now a lot of you notice know there, there are two words in the Greek language for time. There's chronos, chronos, and it usually means a specific moment in time. It would be, June, you know, midnight, June 3rd, 1967, the chronos, the exact chronicle time, right? But there's another word that's kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, and that's what this means. And it means this, at the most advantageous time, at the most opportune time, and I think that's icing on the cake because we were busy being the whole enchilada and Christ came and died for us and you know what, he didn't just come. He came at the exact right and best time for all of humankind. He came at the very best time for the Roman world at that time he came at the very best time for the Jewish world at that time he came at the very best time for a bunch of folks who get together in Bloomington Minnesota in 2023 would all be in the house and he came at just the right time for us that's weird I mean that is lavish that is extravagant that's something that we have no idea what that is so one I would say God's love is lavish because of who we were Because of who we were. But I would say, secondly, also, it's because of how we understand love. Because how we think of love. Because how we express love and how we experience love, it makes this love very lavish. And Paul knows that. Paul knows that what he's already said is very radical. It's going to be hard for people to comprehend. And Paul's going to have to admit it. He's going to have to admit it. And then he's going to have to explain it. And here's how he does that. He says, look, 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 just just wait. I get it. Most people, that's the vast majority of us. Like We never want to admit that we're most people. Right? Nobody, nobody wants to admit that they're average. Everybody's average. That's why, you know, that's why we're average. He's saying here, most, that's us. Most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, a good person, a good person. Some, there'd be a few, someone, maybe, perhaps, maybe, might be willing to die for a person who is especially good. That might on occasion happen. And we see that from time to time. We see it in a movie. You know, there's, this, there's these guys, and they're working in a mine shaft, right? And the mine shaft collapses. And there's two guys. And one guy is kind of old, and he's, you know, he's, he's lived his whole life alone. And the other guy is like 27 years old, and he's got three little kids. And they've just got enough oxygen left for a few hours. And the old guy, you know, he just says to the young guy, Look, man, you've got three little ones at home. I'm going I'm to make sure you have the oxygen. Like, we see that in a movie once in a while. You've all seen Titanic, and there, there's just one boat left. You know, there's one rescue boat left, and somebody says to the other person, no, man, you go ahead. I've had a good life. You go ahead, and you take my seat in the boat. Okay, occasionally. Occasionally. But that would only happen for an especially good person. We weren't especially good. We were the whole enchilada. That's weird. Like, who does that? That, That's that's an unknown kind of love. That's a lavish kind of love. That's what he did. So here's what we know right now. We know that it's lavish because of who we were, the whole enchilada. We know it's lavish because of how we understand love, what we would normally do, the way we normally express it or receive it. But it's also lavish because of who we are now. Because of who we are now. This is what he goes on to say then in verse 11. So now, now that we've accepted Christ's Right Now that we've surrendered our lives to Christ, now that we've received the forgiveness of God, now that we're accepting the love of God, we're not taking that for granted. We're accepting it. our eyes have been opened. Now we're in a wonderful new relationship with God. This is a new relationship. This is a different kind of relationship. Well, how so? Interesting. Those of us, most of us, all of us, who are the whole enchilada, we are now considered friends of God. Meaning we have favor with God. Like, God looks at us with favor. He didn't wait to, to do it after we received Christ, after we confessed our sinfulness. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, while we were still hostile toward God, while we were still the enemies of God, Christ died for us. That's so unusual. I, I'm just telling you, you don't know anything like this. I don't know anything like this. We don't experience this kind of love anywhere else. This is all new to us. And so, yeah, it's lavish because of who we were. And it's lavish because of how we understand love. And it's lavish because of who we are now. Let me, let me give you the big so what. I just want to give you the bottom line. Every week, if you're new here, we do a big so what. And, and I don't always remind you this, but now next time you'll know this. You, you can actually sleep through most of the message and then just wake up at the end. It works, believe me. But the big so what is this. The lavish love of God compels us to love God lavishly. It's what we were designed for. It's what we were created for. When we start to take the love of God for granted and we forget about it, we're just like, "Mm, yeah, whatever. You won't live the way you were designed. You won't experience life the way you were designed. This kind of love, when we get it and we realize it, it compels us. We we should just love God lavishly. And so what do we do with that? Well, I'm going to suggest a couple things that I think you should do with this when you leave here today. Number one, I think some of us need to wake up. And I put myself in the same category. I think we just need to wake up. I think we need to go, that's right. Man, this is different. This is different. I've taken it for granted. I just go about my business. Well, you know, God is love. You know, God loves us. You know, Jesus died for us. You know. I'm like, no, I don't know. Well, what do you mean? I mean? I mean, this stuff is lavish. Some of us need to wake up because it would compel us to love God lavishly. Now what if our eyes were awakened, body of Christ, what if our eyes were awakened to the real love of God? And we've got to grasp for that. Question, yes or no, would we probably live differently? Yes. I would, I know I would live different. If I was thinking about it all the time about this radical, lavish, extravagant, generous, unknown kind of love, if I would remember that, that that's what God's given me, man, I would live differently. Sometimes I just forget it and I go off and do my own cockamamie thing, right? What if that was always on my mind? What if that was always on my mind? The love of God. The love of God. The kind of love I don't really know. What if I would remember that? But here's the other thing. I think we ought to wake up. And I think for some folks, it means giving up. I think there's some folks that here, you've got to surrender your life. I'm just going to be honest, man. I think maybe you walked in here today and you don't know why you walked in here today. You walked in because it was Mom's Day or maybe you walked in because it was a baptism. or Maybe you've been coming here for a while and you just never made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus. I'd say today is that day. Why would we wait? Why wouldn't we begin to experience life the way that we were designed to experience life? Why, would, why wouldn't we experience that? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? God has so much for you. God loves you so much, He sent His Son to die. You think He doesn't want so much more for you? Well, for some of us, that means giving up. We've got to surrender. We've got to say, God, it's no longer about me, about my wants, about my way, my will. God, it's about what you have and what you want, what you want for me. Maybe you're watching online today. You're not even sure why you watched online. Maybe somebody told you, maybe a friend told you, maybe you were surfing around, maybe you're looking for something, right? And, and now you understand the lavish love of God. While well, we were the whole enchilada, God didn't care. Not at the moment one time, not, 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 not right then. God just said, but I love them anyway. I love them. These people are train wrecks and I love them. So much so that I'll send my son to suffer horrifically and die. Because that's the kind of love that only God knows, only God demonstrates, only God lives out. Today might be the day for you to surrender your life. Finally quit playing games. I I got a feeling some of you have been feeling that for a while. God's been tugging your heart, God's been leading you, and and even your being here today, it's not a coincidence. God has led you here. And you'd say, yeah, yeah, it kind of is. It's been this course, it's been this path. God's been doing different things to stir himself. And I would say, I wouldn't wait. I would say today is the day. I'd say today is the day to surrender your life.